one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the 21st episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Daydahl. Can you believe it? 21 episodes. Um, straight off the bat, absolutely massive thank you to everyone who has been contacting me on our social at The First Exchange. Just to check in and be like, listen to the podcast, love this episode, you know, are you getting this person on? You should get this person on. I loved when you spoke about. Um, and it's really important because it lets me know what you guys are interested in listening to, what you're enjoying, what you're not enjoying with the podcast. Um, so definitely, please, 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 please keep the messages coming. I absolutely love it. And sharing the podcast links as well. Um, really appreciate it. And I do see it. You know, I know I'm busy, but um, I do see all your uh interactions on the interweb and um, but yes episode 21 we had another guest that I've never met before it's we started there for a while and I was bringing in everyone that I knew um but we had an incredible young man um in with us this evening um you might know him you might not know him but he is the the we say he's the star he's the star of a new um RTE uh TV show called The Yellow Brick Road so if anyone has been watching it back on TV or on the RTE player it's basically like this lifestyle transformation um, journey I suppose that basically you have people from all different backgrounds all different um, issues going on in their life you know how I came across this person was I saw an episode that this man was um, you know living a kind of hermited life I suppose um, after his mama died and he really just wanted to you know break free of kind of his routine and to get a new lease on life so they bring in these four uh, people from different walks of life and they all work together to achieve in, you know this person's wants and goals and different things so without further ado we had Jordan Dunbar um, in the show an incredible incredible young man he's only 26 years old and has one of the most fascinating stories and emotional stories that um, I've had or listened to on the podcast so he spoke to us about his journey growing up all the way through to landing uh, this amazing opportunity on Ortiz's new TV show. So without further ado, here is Jordan Dunbar with The First Exchange. Hi. Jordan Dunbar, <laughs> welcome. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. You're such a celeb at the moment with your TV show, you know? Oh, yeah, me five minutes. Yeah. So exciting. Well, before, well, let's, let's, let's introduce our uh, listeners to you. You're obviously on the RTE TV show, Yellow Brick Road. Yes. How's it going? It's going great. I'm like, we've, I've, I had to reshoot something yesterday. So now I am fully wrapped. The season no is way. done. Yeah. Amazing. How many episodes are there? Six episodes. Right. And we're on three now. Have three been out? Three. Yeah. The third episode aired um, two days ago. Yeah. I ha- still haven't watched the third one. I've watched the first and the second. It's your fault <laughs> if I don't get season two. <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> will. Well, you're, the reason you're here is because I was saying to you before, I randomly stuck on the RTE player at home and the show came on. It was episode two with Roger. It was indeed. And I was just like, you know, everyone that's on the show is great, but you just stood out so much and like what you spoke about and your message and different things. I was like, oh, I have to get him on the show. And then also, I know you from your day job as well. From yeah. seeing you, I was like, oh, I have to get him on. It's a fair guy. Um, but yeah, how's the experience been? Um, it's been a it's been amazing. Yeah. Um, it's had like its ups and then it's with the show, obviously I'm a normal human being. Yeah. Like none of us are experts in anything going into this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it has brought up a lot for me as well. So mm-hmm. it's had its low points with me, but not like low as in bad. It's low as in I've had to face things I've probably hid from for a good while. Very interesting. So, um, for anyone that hasn't seen the show yet, how would you describe it? 
you brought the wrong person on this show. <laughs> and this is why I'm not allowed to do anything. Well, like I'm just it. passing all the work on I to you. I explain it so bad. But it's kind it's sort do you know what it reminds me of? Don't is, say it. I mean, not let's say it. I know what you're gonna say, go on. But they probably don't want you to say that, do they? What? What were you gonna <laughs> No, I'm not saying it. <laughs> it queer eye. Um, is that what you is that what they I wouldn't say it's anything like that. (laughs) Okay, it has a hint of... It's only because it's the transformational bit, right? That's the kind of the end of it. But it's basically like you have a a person who, for whatever reason, is maybe stuck in a rut in their life or is looking for a kind of a way to... Like looking for someone to come in and help them or give them some guidance on how to... The rough summary would kind of be like, it's like a life makeover show. Um, So it's me, Claire, Greg and Noel and we have contributors that have gone forward and they might be stuck in a rut and it might be from all different aspects. It's not just about clothes or fashion. Mm. It's very internal. There's a lot of heart. Um, It's really raw and they might just be lost and just need a little helping hand and what better way than getting four strangers to come into your life and shake a fucking up absolutely <laughs> and four very different strangers yeah. as well but you all mix very well together when you did, what happened or what was the sort of like process for you with the show did you know that those guys were involved already no. or you were just like saying okay I'll turn up to work and this is who I'm with no so I got approached for this show last November um, right and I wasn't told what the show was. I wasn't given any premise. I was just told the name of the, uh, the company. And I'd worked with them previously on first dates. I knew the name behind it. And anything she does, I have 100% trust in her. Yeah. So I was like, absolutely, yeah, I'll be there. I'll come in. Amazing. I went in and I made, I think there was six people in the room. I think I had everyone crying. And I'm just like, why are you crying? And then I started crying because I'm an yeah. emotional wreck. <laughs> yeah, well, we will get to like why... I think they might have been crying and because when I watched the second episode I was like in floods of tears and it was your little bit with Roger where you were like uh, in the sitting room I can't remember what was the conversation was going on but you were like talking about your experiences Mm -hmm. and what I took from it was you know here's two people from very different backgrounds very different walks of life but that doesn't come into it at all. You're just connecting with someone on a very human level and you're talking through your experience and they're hearing something, they're they're hearing your compassion or your empathy and they're finding some level of peace in that or, or hope, I suppose. And that's something that me from, for, you know, when I think about who I like to be as like a human or whatever, that's all that you can ask for is that you have human interactions with people, human connections. Yeah, exactly. And Rogers, like even touched on Rogers episode, that was emotionally the hardest for me mm-hmm. to film. Um, yeah. yeah, I I left that, but I couldn't leave it. Yeah, I I, I brought it home with me. Um, mm-hmm. It opened up a lot in me. Um, but even like that, as you said, then I sit back and I'm so thankful because with my story, I'm hopefully able to not only help Roger, but Mm -hmm. potentially help someone that's watching it, that's going through the same thing. And that's all I ever want in life is Mm -hmm. to be able to use a negative time in my life rather than sit at home and be sad about that or dwell on that or look for sympathy for it. I want to be able to turn that around and make it worthwhile that possibly that bad time in my life might be able to help someone in the future. Mm -hmm. It's all you can want from life. Absolutely. So let's, before we go into obviously your experiences and what you talk about in the show, um, Talk to me about your childhood, growing up. What was life like? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? From Donamid. Go on, up Donamid, oh, up, up Damo Dempsey. <laughs> Go on. Go on, son. <laughs> I don't know any Damien Dempsey songs. I do. Seize the bleeding day. I sing them all. <laughs> I had a feeling. I'll sing them all, no bother. Do you know any sugar babes? Yeah, round, round, baby. <laughs> Can I have a weekly spot here, please? Yes, no problem at all. Actually, Sugar Babe's first album is one of my faves. One, it's its 19 year anniversary. Yeah. I know. And see, I can actually remember that you probably were oh, no, very I can. young. Oh, right? no. I'm literally, I still have a poster of the Sugar Babes on my wall. Unreal. My mum took me out of primary school. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> 
So my mum rang my primary school yeah. and said, um, Jordan needs to come home. Something really bad's after happening. <laughs> okay. So I came home and like, just go like someone's after dying. Yeah. So I went home and she like sat me down and she was like, right, I need to tell you something. Now the way I bought you Taller and More Ways, which was the album I pushed the button on it. She's like, it's the last Sugar Bears album I'm going to be able to buy you. And I was like, oh my God, are we purr? Yeah. She was like, it's worse. <laughs> I was like, what? She was like, much as after leaving the Sugar Babes. I went on hunger strike for like two days. No way. Hunger what strike. a Siobhan when she left. That's when I was there. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but you She's know, they've regrouped now. They're doing like some kind of uh, So they done flowers at DJ Spoonie. That was a dead And they've done amazing. Yeah. And they did come back prior to that as MKS with Flatline. But that was an ironic song title. Okay, I dare challenge you on this information. Oh, you know it. never. <laughs> 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 um, but say for me what are we talking about then oh yeah so you grew up in Donamese in Donamese yeah born and raised born and raised what was life like growing up in Donamese my mum um, brought me up um, and yeah my uncle lived with us my uncle was gay so I had a gunkle no way and a gunkle is that what we call a gay uncle I don't know maybe so it's a very <laughs> my best friend's term. child calls me auntie uncle Jordan so <laughs> I think gunkle's better <laughs> Gunkle Jordan. Auntie Gunkle Jordan. <laughs> so what was that like? That's a that's a crazy dynamic, right? Do you know what? I was in a house where like one minute you're going down, my mum's listening to Akon Smackda. Yeah. And then like the next time you go down, it's like Whitney Houston, Dolly Parton, Blondie. So I think that's where I get my... I grew up with such... Michael had such different taste in music as well. Yeah. So that's where I think I got my love for music. Um... And it was just a household where it was not was confined. It was always you were free. It was a free yeah. household. The biggest person you wanted to be, you could be bigger, and it was mm. pushed to be bigger. It was my childhood was amazing. Like, that's do you know what? That's some in itself is such um, a beautiful thing because so many of us are in therapy with childhood trauma. Oh, I've done Do it. I've done mean? it. I had a great therapist <laughs> and I believe everyone needs a good yes, therapist. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. But no, like it has its, it had its ups and downs. Like I, I try not to touch on the down things yeah. um, because I don't, there are certain things I don't talk about publicly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, I put myself in a position where I talk about, mm. I feel like the past Five years, I've talked about everything so openly. Yeah. And there's one or two things I do hold back a little bit on mm. and I don't touch on um, just out of respect for other people. Yeah, of course. And that's okay. Yeah. Because it's your decision and it's your life and that's the way it is. Mm. Talk to me about um, growing up and, and being in, in a household where you obviously have your mom and then you obviously have your uncle who you said is gay. Yeah. So that obviously was very open. And mm. Was openness something that was sort of... In your house? Or? Well, I remember people like being on my road being like, your uncle's gay. And I'm like, it's not. That's his friend Fran that lives in that bedroom <laughs> with him. And I'm like, okay, Jordan, welcome to the party. <laughs> you were quite naive about it. Yeah, I was very naive. I was mm. so late in life. Like I was, yeah. yeah, I was very naive. And what about, how did that lend itself then into like your own experiences as you got older? I imagine it was like comforting for you. Well, Michael passed away before I got to come out. Um, oh, no way. But he knew. Um, I was very angry at the age of 15. Um, like, I was really, really angry. I was self-harming. I I just couldn't, because I was so always worried about ever hurting my mom that mm. I ended up hurting myself rather than her, her. So, secretly, I was holding this shame. And, like, it's I can say it because I was made to feel like it was something that was shameful that mm. I was different from everyone else. Where do you think that came from? Where does that... I was bullied for years. Mm. Like, years and years. Um, but, yeah, I always felt like I was different and what I was was wrong. Mm. So I tried to deny it. And then when I couldn't, I lashed out on myself. Because mm. I felt like everyone else was in such control of how I felt. Yeah. That self-harming at one stage was a way of me getting my control back how old are you at this stage when 15. this going on it's a very young right yeah and did your, your mum have any idea about what was going on or that you were struggling a little bit or kind of um i turned around to her at one stage and i said i need to go see the doctor 
mm. I need to see my GP because I was always very intelligent. I mm-hmm. I I can I always could understand my body and my mind and how it was working. Yeah, and I knew what I was doing wasn't right. Um, so I said I need to go see the doctor. Um, I'm very sad all the time, and I don't know why. Mm. So her biggest thing was I don't want you to go on an antidepressant if they can't put you on Prozac like I don't want this to happen I don't want mm. this to happen well sure I walked out with a prescription for Prozac yeah it's what it was um, shit at 15 like what 15, the hell I was on antidepressants at 15 yeah holy shit how long did you spend on Prozac I have well I changed tablets I'd say three or four times um Prozac stopped working at a certain stage um then I went on to another one which did not work with my system and then I found another one which I can never remember the name of and it just suited me but one of them just made me completely numb and I was like a zombie mm. um but yeah I did you find relief in that I felt relieved that I didn't have to feel anything mm. and but like that as I said I was quite I'm I I wasn't stupid. I knew I couldn't go on like that because yeah. you're just pushing things away. They're yeah. gonna come back eventually. Exactly. This is the thing that, like, we, you know, obviously there there are people who need prescription medication. Absolutely. But more often than not, when you find someone that is, you know, um, taking prescription medication to numb or to clear their mind of something Mm -hmm. the reality of it is you're just shoving it into like the back of your subconscious and you're not actually facing that issue head on and and that's usually how you will conquer whatever it is that has put you into that position yeah and that was the thing like um that was probably my main problem was it was numbing things but I was still sad, whereas mm. it was just a lack of serotonin in the brain. Yeah. So I did need something to counteract it, um, but it wasn't the right one. So I went on and off them for a couple of years. Um, now, right now I'm on no medication. Yeah, amazing. And well I haven't done. been in like probably over a year. Mm. Um, I've just found other little toolboxes to help when I get in that, and I've like I've picked up little I like it. It's been gone on since 15 and I'm 26 now. So it's 11 yeah. years of dealing with depression that I found other ways of not blocking, but swerving my mind. Yeah. And yeah. did you, you said that you went to therapy? Yes, I did. When was, was the therapy? Well, let's, before we get to that. So we're 15, you're on the antidepressants. Um, are you still in school at this stage? Yeah. Like what's, are you socializing? Are you starting to you know, um, go out, experiment, like what's happening for you? I started going out shortly after, yeah. Um, so Did you hit the sesh? Not straight away, I was very slow. No way, okay. Hit the sesh at 21. No way, I, <laughs> I was retiring at 21, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, 15, fake ideas, um, really bad fake ideas into the dragon I missed the dragon or IP the dragon too. my favourite yes. did you ever see when that drag queen fell off the stage no I will get you the video I will get you the video it's iconic um, <laughs> the dragon the George um, and then I found a confidence I didn't have mm. ever I was so timid and shy that then when I was there I was like head bitch in charge. I was fresh oh, me. yes. I was walking around with a face on me. No one would approach me. I loved it. Amazing. You're quite, your aesthetic right now is quite just like colourful and bright. And you've obviously got all your tattoos and yeah. just so interesting to look at. When was it that you started like getting tattoos and experimenting with like bright clothing and my tattoo- getting into yourself? My tattoos are kind of a way of, I wouldn't more so say rebelling, but it was kind of like, it was almost like an armour for me. So yeah. people would be saying these things about me. I'm like, yeah, but we're both 15 and I'm tattooed. So Yeah, it's like protective armour in a way. Yeah, it was like, yeah, well, I'm clearly stronger than you think if I have all these tattoos. So I kind of almost used them as an armour. Um, so I started at 15. I got my first one at 15. Well, what was it? tiny little star which is a bit of a tram stamp <laughs> <laughs> and I regret nothing 
when I was on holidays. It's part of the journey. Yeah. It's part of the story. A little Puerto Rican star. <laughs> <laughs> so then in terms of like finishing school and getting into kind of the working world and different things, like did you immediately, because I know that you work in uh, hair and beauty, that's your industry. When was it that you sort of uh, went into that or found that that was your sort of calling? So it was kind of something I was raised around my uncle done hair very badly was convinced like done like one of them <laughs> like you pay like 20 grand to do a hairdressing course and like I think he done it for like four months and was convinced he was like so soon oh no way so like um and my mom like had done hair for like a minute my auntie is a hairdresser so I was kind of raised around it and yeah. I saw the glamorous side of hairdressing yeah 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 lies <laughs> <laughs> so I got my leave and cert <laughs> And went straight into an apprenticeship. Amazing. Yeah. And then that's been you ever since. Yeah, I was a trainee for like nine years. It took me nine years no in the way. hairdressing industry to qualify as a brow artist. <laughs> <laughs> There's some kind of award on route there. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know that um, one thing that you spoke about on the, the TV show was this like close, close bond that you had with your mum. And do you think that that was because you know, she raised you, well, I know your uncle, you said, was living with you, but, you know, with the absence of your dad? My dad was there. Right. Um, like, my dad's a very good dad, but it was mainly me and my mum. Okay. Um, but he wasn't, like, out of the picture. Um, and I have an amazing relationship with my dad now. Like, I really do. Very good. Like, he... My dad saved my life, definitely. Wow. A good bit. Um, but yeah, that's the relationship with me and my mom is definitely because it was me and her. Like it wasn't, mm. it wasn't like mother or son. It was like best friends. I told my mother things. You don't tell your ma. <laughs> like really, really, really bad things that you don't tell your mom. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah. So then. Talk to me about, you know, because obviously if anyone that's watched the show, they'll know that your mum passed away. Yeah. And this is where you got this or you have this like wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. in helping people. And, and especially Roger, who was on the show that went through some, something similar and was stuck in a very, um, you know, sad mind uh, headspace since his mum passed. And you were able to go in there and give him what we spoke about, your experience, your viewpoints, and it was translated into information that has helped him. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what happened with your mum? I can. Um, I'm just going to pre-warn you. I am an emotional wreck yeah, since the don't. show has finished. If I cry, I am sorry. You can cry all you want. Stop. Because I have cried for the last three episodes. Oh, I'm so, so happy. I literally, I've been crying literally 24 7. So okay. I'm sorry. This is a safe space. Yay. It's just me, you, Shane, and my Guinness. All our, all our <laughs> listeners. I feel so butch. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, it would have been my mum's 45th birthday. Um, I'm not going to start the way I was going to start. Um, yeah, so it would have been my man's 45th birthday. Um, I came home one night late and went straight to bed. Um, she was at home having a few drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, like watching like fucking Pop World or something like that. What was that? Top of the Pops. <laughs> yeah, Top of the Pops. Music blaring, watching that, having like a fucking can or something. And um, I went straight up to bed because I was up for work the next morning, but I wanted to come down and give her a present before I went to work. So I woke up the next morning, went down with her presents and to wish her a happy birthday. And I found her there. Um, She was kind of lying across the couch. But whatever way the curtains was open, um, there was light hitting her back. But the rest of her was freezing. So I was in two ways in shock that she was so cold. But then there was one part of her that wasn't. So I was kind of lying to myself saying, no, it's fine, it's fine. She just won't wake up. She won't wake up. So I'm like shaking her for, I'd say, about 30 minutes screaming, sobbing my eyes out. Um, And then I rang one of my friends and they were like, go in and get a neighbour. And I went in and the neighbour came in straight away and said no. So then the ambulance came and I think that was the hardest part. 
you're watching, you're pushed out of a room. Mm. It's already been taken away from you, but you you can't hold on to it any longer because you're pushed out. Um, So I was kicked out of a room into the sitting room. I got very aggressive. And then coroners and stuff came. And I think someone handed me a Xanax, which is fucking needed. Um, I remember ringing my dad and just being like, hey, my ma's dead. And just hanging up the phone. It's, I've, I, I felt myself go cold. Mm. Um, and that was kind of it. Like I harvested, I harvested so much guilt for that night. Why? Because the night before I was supposed to come home and cut her hair. But I rang her from the George and was like, I'm out and match you and all. I'm going to stay and have a drink. Is that okay? And she was like, of course, get everyone to sing me happy birthday. I had her on speaker. Everyone sang happy birthday in the George. And I'm just like, that's a moment I lost. Mm. I could have been there. Well, should have, would have, could have. Yeah, you can't think You like can't that, think like that, but I taught like that for so long. Because mm. I was so young. I was 21. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, that was it. That's... It all went downhill from there. Such a... Um, first of all, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Thank that you. That that has happened to you, that you had to experience that because I can't imagine mm-hmm. um, what that is like. Um, but I think straight off the bat, you just have to be commended on how you're able to come on here. You're able to do a TV show. You're able to be on your social media and talk about it. Because I can tell by your face and by your eyes that it's still very much very yeah, hurtful hard. for you. I think I've done, I've done like the Humans of Dublin straight after. Like mm. I documented like my downfall after um, the story and I was so brutally honest and raw about it because I didn't want to lie. I needed it to be honest. Yeah. Because if someone can get a bit of light out of this, they can, but... Once the humans of Dublin was done, first date was done, I had a little bit of a break. I'd mm. done like a few chats about it. Um I think it's I've never went as in deep as this, even on the show. Mm. I Roger's episode was very hard, but I I still had a little bit of a wall up. Yeah. This there's no wall, it's down. So mm. yeah. What do you think the wall was from? Just protecting yourself from being hurt or having to really revisit it? Sometimes, if I'm not prepared for something, it takes me longer to come back from it. And I know that from past experiences, I know if I talk about it too much, it takes longer to get back to where I am. Mm. Um, if I'm prepared for it, I can speak about it. Yeah, okay. And that's like, it's one thing I'm happy about is like, I get, the more people get to see how much love I had for my mother. Like, mm. so she's always there with me. I still yeah. get to talk about it. And it's funny because <clears throat> even with, you know, just getting a window into, you know, your life and what you've spoken about publicly, you speak with such adoration and love for her that you automatically get an idea of who she was even though none of us know her at all you know and like it's that is I can only imagine having children or even my friends if I ever die and have people talk about you in a loving light and you know to make people aware of you know how great that they made you feel like that's all you can ask for you know I'm just, I'm very lucky I am the person I am because of her. Mm. And that's down to her. And my dad as well. I got my crazy from both of them. Yeah. And um, do you know what? I'm like, yeah, I got 21 years. Mm. That's 21 years someone else didn't get with her. Why, like, why dread on it or be like, why me? Mm. Why anyone else? No one else deserves it. It happens to you. You pick yourself up. And you'd be thankful for the 21 years you got that no one else got. Mm, that's, that's big. That's the that's only big. way I can think about it. That's a really big, even at your age, at 26, to have that insight. Mm-hmm. Because it would be so, so easy to just sit back into the negative space and say, why? Why is that happened to me? And it's I've done it fair. once and I hated myself 
instantly when I said it. Because I'm not a bad person and I'd always put everyone before myself. I sat there one day and I said, why me? I sat with smashed glasses all around me in my kitchen. I took everything from the press, smashed it off every single wall, sat there and cried. Mm. And I said, why is this happening to me? And straight away, I hated myself. Why isn't it happening to you? Why does someone else deserve that and not you? Mm. You're not special. We're all, everyone has their own struggles. Everyone has their own story. No one else deserves that burden more than you. Mm. And you don't deserve it less than anyone else. Wow, that's really insightful. You are, you're very, you're very uh, wise beyond your years. Do you put that down to having to deal, be in a position where you're dealing with sort of adult issues quite young? I think, like, I have my wee tattoo there that says sad boy. And it it kind of annoys me because everyone's like, but you're not sad, you're happy. I'm like, (laughs) it's more of a, like, reference to innocence lost. Okay. I... I was very lucky, like, and I was very privileged that I grew up in a house that I was mammy cuddles. Yeah. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to use a washing machine. Like, yeah, life tells I probably should have known. But instantly then, that day, I had to grow up straight away. So it was like innocence lost. Yeah. Um, So it was kind of like just a wee little reflection on, like, that kind of inner child that I had to let go of because... Um, as much as I wanted to stay in that chapter of my life, it was closed and there was no way of getting back to it. So mm. you just have to take a page by page and just keep going. So, yeah, I kind of, I counted down to that. Uh, I had to grow up. I had no choice. I, mm. I'm, I was living in a house. I had to pay bills. Well, this is like, <clears throat> what you know, when that happens, like, you know, w- w- immediately what w- what happens to you? Like, you're obviously an adult, you're 21, but... <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm dying with the flu. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't put your germs on me. <laughs> Kidding, cough away. I was going to say something, but I won't because I'm not in the salon and I'm not that comfortable. <laughs> um, but but when th- this happens to you, like, w- immediately after, like, obviously you're in shock, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Are you presented with a lot of like adult issues or adult oh, things? Oh, I planned like, a funeral. Well, this. Oh, is I planned I'm... a full fucking funeral, <laughs> down to the songs, pick the coffins. Wow. Now I also had a full prescription for Xanax, so trust me, I was unstoppable at that time. Yeah. Tablets are my best friends. I imagine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Straight away, like I had to, I got tenancies put into my name. Now saying that, my auntie was there, my dad was there. When my mum died, my dad came in, and everyone was like. What, how is, like, how is he going to survive? Like, he's, like, my dad was like, don't worry about him. I have Mm. him. My dad stepped up to the mark more than anyone could ever expect anyone to do. Wow. And I was a very hard person to deal with then. I remember one stage when I was younger, my dad's, like, ringing me mad, being like, take your son, I'm going to put my head through the fucking telly. He keeps sneaking out of the windows and going out to see boys. So he knew what he was getting himself in for. Um, But he stood up to it and he put up with me in my worst states, loved me, supported me, never turned his back on me. And without him, like, he's one of the people I wouldn't have been here. Like him and my Mm. best friend Leon, my best friend Gina, I would not be alive. Wow. Because they didn't stop. Um, But yeah, like that. Went into planning the funeral. Um, yeah, funeral. I had to get the name put, the house put into my name. Um, stupid things like electricity. Yeah, oh my like, god! Yeah, like this is what I'm. I'm trying to get a sense of is that like you know you're you're obviously dealing with all this stuff that's happening at a very young mm-hmm. age, and you're dealing with the death of your mum, someone who is your best friend that you've relied on. And then also you're being like absolutely thrown into the lion's den with all this like adult paperwork and different things yeah. that we really don't I didn't understand. Understand or think that we're gonna have to deal with it all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and even at thirty five, like I don't think I would be able to deal with this. You know, I think it's just one of those things where you're just in it and you just have to learn to just well, you have no do other it. Choice, There's no do choice. You? What, exactly, can, what else exactly. can you do? Your electricity has to be paid. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I always said, like other people's sympathy isn't going to pay my bills. Yeah. It's not going to keep that house over my head. 
Um, Do you I, let people look after you though? Did you let people look after you at that time? I had to learn to. Yeah. I was very stubborn. Um, mm. What star sign are you? I'm on the cusp, of course. Who are you? Leo uh, Sagittarius. Yeah, yeah. Leo. Is that right? On 23rd of August. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Amazing. Good sign. I done something bad though at that time. Go on. So. <laughs> the, uh, where this is this is the time where this is when my mom is um laid up in the sitting room. Right. And the TV license inspector knocked. Oh, you are joking me. Oh, I'm not. What I can't. I can't go into full story. But oh my God, Jordan! Don't tell me you brought the TV. Oh, absolutely! You brought him absolutely. In. <laughs> so there was a little oh. bit of like past trouble with the TV license man yeah. and my mother, right. which might have resolved, like turned around <laughs> to be at night in jail. <laughs> she paid her TV license, right? And he said she paid it late, so she needs to pay it again. And she was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I've paid it. Here it is. Yeah. He goes, well, sorry, she uh, actually uh, give her a blue Peter badge because she actually paid it paid the first it. time. I Who have to pay it now that I'm on RTE. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, and I also have this irrational fear of the TV license yeah. inspector now because of my mum going to jail for a night. No way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Your mum sounds like such a rock oh, star. She's a little gangster. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so, like, he knocked it. Like, so he was like, this is the option. And she goes, I know what the option is. I'll meet you at Kulak Garden Station. And he was like, Right, Grand says five o'clock. So she went up. They were like, Will you pay him a euro a month? No. Uh, yes. 50 cents. No. Nope. 20. No, nope. not paying nothing. But you know what we're going to have to do? And she's like, Absolutely. What time do you want me to come up at? And they were like, Can you be here tomorrow at 12? She says, Not a bother. I'll bring me pajamas, a few Xanax in her pocket. She said, All she done was sleep, watch Oprah, and sleep. Amazing. Night and the joy. <laughs> So then, she had passed away. I have her in the sitting room. TV license inspector knocks. The I'm, same guy. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly, but I have this. I have this hatred and irrational fear now. Yeah, of course you do. So he knocks at the door and he's like, "I want to see Sharon Dunbar." Now, I'm out of my face on Xanax. <laughs> I'd say I'm probably on my ninth. I'm like, okay. What's this regarding? She didn't pay her TV license. I want to speak to Sharon Dunbar. See you now. And he goes, I want to talk to her now. It's perfect. She's in the sitting room there. Go on in. I says, I'll be in the kitchen when you're done. Well, I've never seen a man quiver so much in his life. <gasps> oh, my God. It was so like, wrong. That is like a skit off something on TV. That's yeah. like... I can't believe you've done that. Did he leg it? I apologise. I didn't have to pay for the TV licence. And I bet you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pay for it the next year. <laughs> it's hard to got a couple it. of years. <laughs> that is brilliant. I do slightly feel bad about that. No. No, well, I don't. So oh, yeah, it's just some, some poor fella's just doing his job. <laughs> Probably in therapy now. Send me the bill. Yeah, <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> don't send me the bill. Um... What what a like what a time period. So yeah. what what at what stage in this like did you go for therapy afterwards? Like talk to me about like you know the 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 weeks and the months after this because this will be something that's important in I'm terms of to say some anything. Yeah, you can say anything you want. Oh, perfect. Um, so right after um, for a space of two weeks people are constantly there you're yeah. always covered if anyone has ever lost anyone they understand this they know the two weeks I think it's universally known mm. then it's radio silence that radio silence was deafening I was so angry that I was looking at people being happy mm. I was angry at the world I was angry at my mum I was angry at myself I was angry at everyone yeah. um and everything got really loud. So I needed to silence it. So I started doing a lot of drugs. Mm. I started drinking a lot. I was going out every single night. What drugs were you doing? What drugs wasn't I doing? Mm. I was doing LSD, acid, same thing actually. MDMA, ecstasy, cocaine, ketamine, weed to come down off the cocaine. Much, yeah. The lot in one night, um, 
Or is this kind of like you go out? I'd go out. It, oh, I was doing speed. Speed was my drug of choice for a while. Yeah, right. I was on a pogo stick and a fur jacket. Smoking a smoke with a lot of speed up my nose at one stage during the day in my front garden. Like this was how bad it got to. Wow. Trying to plug a speaker into a hamster's water bowl. Like I was at an all time low. I'd reached rock bottom. I was losing my mind. Mm. And it it was like I was drowned and I kept getting deeper and deeper and there was no way of getting back. The only thing I could do was numb it more and more yeah. and more. So I'd go out more and then I was coming back and I was self-harming. I was taking overdoses. Like I tried to progressively kill myself five times. Wow. And that's when it got to the lowest. I got sectioned. My dad couldn't, my dad and my auntie couldn't look at me anymore. Like they were like, you can't keep doing this to yourself. We can't lose you. And I, I'm sitting in people's faces screaming, I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to die. You can't stop me. I want to be with my mum. And I was hurting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't hurting myself. It's what I wanted. Mm. I don't regret anything I've done. And it's only up until this year I didn't regret that. The only thing I regret was that it didn't work until this year. Wow. Which was a life-changing moment for me. But it was four years I've been like, well, if there was a part of me that wished it did work. Wow. And that was hard to carry. Um, so then I got sections. And you really don't know your freedom until it's actually taken from you. Mm. And I wasn't really helping myself by saying like, I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy, but every morning I was going in and putting a full face of makeup on in Blanchettstown, like, mental ward, it's not the right name, psych ward, mm. and walking around in a six-inch platform, but but saying I'm fine. Yeah. I'm not fine, I'm going through a breakdown, it's probably PTSD. Mm. Among a list of other things. Among, I'm grieving, I'm angry, <laughs> I've swallowed, like, in the space of a week, probably 160 tablets. Wow. And I'm telling myself I'm fine. You're not fine. Mm. Everyone can see you're not fine and you won't admit you're not fine. And you're conv- you're lying to yourself so much these past couple of months that you are fine, but you're not. Mm. And that's when it got scary. And what happens in terms of being sectioned? What, what what happens? I had taken so many overdoses. Not all of them were documented because I wouldn't let them bring me to the hospital sometimes. Like, they knew me in the ambulances at this stage. I, wow. I pretty much had a, mem- a loyalty card with Bowmount Hospital. And thank God they were so helpful. Well, yeah, they were. That... It got to the point where I was seeing this woman and she said, do it again. I had to speak to her and she goes, we don't trust your safety. We don't trust your decisions. So it was 48 hours away. If I had to done it again, it was 30 days upwards. It was a cop on. Wow. It woke me up. How long did you stay in there for? 48 hours. It wasn't long. Wow. But I imagine in... Would have felt longer. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't have your shoelaces. I snuck in a pair of earphones. Thank God. No way. All I done was smoke. <laughs> and then when you're released, what what happens then? Are you just left out onto the road and just like, thanks, goodbye? I'm collected, or... I go home, I have to go see people. You go talk. Um, I think it was my, my dad, my best friend. They were like, will you go talk to someone? I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Mm. I didn't want to talk about it. And they got me onto Pieta House. Wow. And again, it's another group of people that I owe my life to because they are such an amazing organisation. And I felt, like you, go, you think of therapy, mm-hmm. you think of a cold room, a cold person, no questions, no answers. You just sit there, speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. Sure, I was doing that in Blanchardstown. Yeah. I was doing that at home. I was running around streets at night time, screaming it into my arm. Because I had no outlet or no one, like I could, I felt like I couldn't speak to anybody. I feel like you talk about this so much, people don't want to hear it anymore. Mm. 
so I went to be at a house. You felt like that your friends and family that you talk spoke about so much, you just didn't want to burden them anymore, or it's all internal. It was never from them, and then even I I found it hard to talk about. Mm. I found it very hard to relive. Like there's still nights where I have a dr- like I relive that in my head when I go to sleep. I can feel how cold she was. It's still something I deal with. Mm. But it's it was just something I felt like you don't want to be that person that talks too much about something. Yeah. Bury your feelings. No one else needs to hear this. They all have their own lives. They have their own shit. Mm. So I blocked myself out from the help people wanted to give me, which was my biggest mistake. Wow. That's all. Like that's my one thing: don't refuse to help people want to give. Mm, that's they a want big to give one. it for a reason that's a big one right it's so easy for people to just play the detachment card and just detach themselves from loved ones or people that they care or to perceive that it's not genuine in some way no, I was the king of it wow sure I was like the ice queen mm. and in terms of your personality and because when you meet you know, we met each other for the first time this evening and you're personality and your demeanor is very bubbly and light and bright and friendly and warm i would always say i'm very friendly and warm mm. um i feel no actually i was gonna say i feel like there's a me i put forward like a mask but i actually don't think it is i think that's the confidence i've actually found in myself mm. for so long I had to the fake being this confident person being this strong person uh, now actually I'm like no that is me it's not an act I do go up and I will tell someone I won't shake your hand I'd rather hug you yeah I am a warm person I would never want to do any bad on anyone mm. and I just like it's it just it takes the same amount of energy yes so how did you go from where you were talking about to where you are now like, what has that last four or five years been like? It, like, I'm not going to lie and say it was all easy. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. smooth sailing. Um, it comes in waves. I didn't go to Pieta House once. I went three times. Yeah. I had slip-ups. I'm yeah. human. Um, I had relationships. I came out of relationships. I looked for security in people rather than looking for it in me. Mm. Things went on in my life. And it, for so long, I felt like I'm just about staying afloat. And it was more and more was getting put on me. You need to deal with this. You need to deal with this. And yeah. it's, I was like, I'm not getting a minute. Even my friend Liam was saying, like, he, you're not getting not even a year, six months without something bad happening again. And it's just like, when is it going to be my time? And I was like, it'll be my time when it's my time. Yeah. Um. So I I feel like in the past maybe a year and a half, I've really came into myself. Um, for a very long time, I faked it. Mm. But yeah, the past year and a half has been... And we, it's a very short space of time, a yeah, year and a half. It's been very awakening. And, and you're very still very young. I know at 26 you feel like you're old, but trust me, when you're Gay 35... Years, babe. <laughs> Gay years. <laughs> when I get called daddy now. I'm yeah, like, listen, no. <laughs> Wrong. You don't. Do, uh, listen, there are people, young people, young people that I work with that when I like bend down to like pick up something, they're like, oh, mind your back there now. That's the running I joke now. I hate them and I hate their youth. I'm like, <laughs> Deppy comes there. I want to suck the life out of someone. I am actually Meryl Streep in Deppy comes there or Goldie Hawn on separate days. You can be Meryl, I'll be Goldie. Perfect, I'm I can run it. with that. <laughs> I need nice ball gowns. I'll shave my legs. <laughs> um, but in uh, in terms of that process that we're talking about, um, um, a, a therapy, like how how did te- therapy come in? Was it Pieta House that said to you, um, you need to go see a therapist now? Was it was it through them? Or? Well, no, Pieta House was my therapy. So Right, okay. Yeah, they were my counsellors. So how um, long did you do sessions and what were your sessions weeks. like? That's a short period of time, isn't it? I'm five years deep into uh, Well, it was 12 weeks on and off. <laughs> and then my GP, who is fucking amazing. Well, that's a nice thing to hear. She's deadly. And like, she like made jokes at me and all. She was like, 
She's like, I'm going to give you these tablets. They only work if you take one and not the whole box. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, fair. <laughs> I was like, did you actually just say that? She's like, I was like, that was, fu- it was probably the first time I'd fucking laughed in about two months. Amazing. Well, good. Um, so yeah, like Pieta House really helped. Then I kind of, they taught me how to build up toolboxes. I love music. I love yeah. reading. I love reading. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Um, And like, just getting, I found the house was a prison for a while. I was looking yeah. at saying four walls and my head is my most dangerous place, especially at night time. Um, my main thing was if you're asleep, you can't hurt yourself. Yeah. So I would tire myself out. I'd go for walks. Sometimes I'd go for walks. I'd cry in the rain and scream it into my arm. Um, but it was like little outlets. My dad used to bring me to the gym at three in the morning. Like my dad would, he I think he probably would stay up a lot of nights listening. Mm. Um, my dad's a man's man. Yeah. Like, he's a man's man. And he wouldn't have had the same ways of dealing with me that my mum would have. Because he wouldn't have, like, he wouldn't have had to see that bad, bad side of me. Mm. Um, But I'd sit in bed crying. Like, I'd sit on top of the blankets, legs crossed, sobbing but trying not to be loud but like I'm a loud crier I'm an ugly crier I'm Kim Kardashian of crying of done a maid <laughs> and he would come in and he'd just be like are you okay son 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 everything's son mm. yeah right son I'm like yeah grand and then he's just like right your dad's in the room next door if you need him third person always third person yeah. <laughs> I'm in the room next door if you need him Um. Do you want to hook? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it's just good ways like that. So like, he was there on my bad nights. My friend Leanne kicked the door in, I'd say like t- three times over overdoses and stuff. So fucking was gone. Now where were her? Yeah. Um, do you she... feel grateful that none of your overdose attempts worked? Now I do. Yeah. A year ago now. A year ago there was always a part of me that did. And I can't explain what changed. It wasn't a show. It wasn't mm. this. I feel like I finally, I can't really describe it. It's not like I found me. Yeah. I always knew who I was. I feel like I got to hang up the mask that I had to pretend who I was for so long. I mm. put on this this face that I'm fine, I'm this, I'm strong, I'm where everything was crumbling. Mm. Yeah, like I have my shit days. Like I've had problems like a year ago. Like I like I've had flare ups that I have done things I regret. I mean, I suppose like the neither of us can sit here and say, you know, oh, you go through you, you've gone through this really horrible experience and, you know, we wouldn't wish it on anyone else. And you're spilling I just spilled Guinness you. all over my top and it's new, so I'm delighted. <laughs> I spilled it all over the table before. Yeah, you, like, so I don't feel as bad. Point, your entire point. Um, so I've only had like a quarter of a point, <laughs> just to make that clear. And I, I dread to think what you're like on, on a full point. Um, but like you can't sit here and say uh, you've been through this horrible or- ordeal and it'll never happen to you again or you'll never experience pain like that again. It was safe to say that we're I actually disagree. Really? I, oh, do you know my the thing that has probably kept me the most sane mm. is that I have went through that. And I think anyone that's listening to this, please, it's the one thing that helped me. So please like listen to it and cherish it. Mm. I might not say it correctly and then you might need to word it yourself differently. If you've ever been at the lowest point in your life, the worst thing that could happen to you, like that what happened to me. Mm. Nothing can top that. Mm. If you have made it to the day where you're listening to this or you're, you're doing your day today, you've got through that. Mm. Nothing's ever going to be bigger than that. You're invincible. That's your armour. Mm. Nothing is ever going to be as bad as that day. You can handle that and else that's put to you. Do you feel it's because you're... It's like you say, nothing is going to Nothing's going to be greater than that. Yeah. So mm. if I can handle that and I can be at a point now where I get to use that to help other people. It's your coping, your coping mechanisms are up. It's my armour. It's, yeah. it's like a badge I wear. So I'm like, what can honestly be bigger than that? Mm. Nothing. So I can handle anything. I'm invincible. So I think that's when I realised that. 
my life shifted and that's probably what happened this year amazing and i now feel joy yeah i feel like the old me but was I it a practice warm. did it like was there a something that was it a shift in your mind or was it your a lifestyle change or a, you know do you know what i think i had to shift everything mm. i had to grow up i couldn't keep hurting myself as a way of just being like oh something bad happened hurt yourself yeah you need to outlet that anger to something else mm. you need you, i couldn't stay in that dark place because if you're going to be sitting in your past you can never go forward yes you're always stuck so it, it's just like that as i said like i someday something just clicked and i'm like something bad happened and i was like okay well it's not worse than what i've been through mm. so i can get i can handle this i yeah. can handle this i can get on with this it's not going to take me down one of the it's like a badge of honor <laughs> one of the um biggest questions that i always i'm not, not questions but when i think about when uh you know pieta house or any of these charities that are similar to pieta house put out their numbers of statistics and uh suicides and and depression and different things it it is almost always you know the in terms of men it yeah. always increases every year it's going mm-hmm. up and up and up um and you know i've experienced the death of uh, a friend through suicide i have friends that you know this year experienced as well and still you don't know why you don't understand it any better no matter how long it's been and you don't understand or have the tools to be able to comfort someone that has lost someone to suicide. Um, As someone who was in that headspace, you know, can you give an understanding of what it is? I... I don't think anyone's understanding it is the same. Um, I can speak personally from me that I felt... It always felt sinking, pulling, emptiness, heartbreak. There was always a hole, but it was like everything was getting. No words will ever describe that darkness. Mm. Even now, like, even touching into it, it's like I can never describe that pure and sheer pain and exhaustion that I felt every single day. It's it's. Could no an, could anyone have done anything that was in your life? No one could have stopped me. Mm. No one could have stopped me. I was on straight path to suicide. Wow. Straight path, and I remember saying to my best friend's mom, "You want to stop because you're not going to stop me. Accept it." And she cried and she said, "I understand. That's what you want to do." Wow. And I can't stop you. And that was probably the biggest thing I regret in my life that I heard her that way mm. but it was it's she lost someone through suicide and mm. I sat there in her face and told her you're gonna you're gonna lose me accept it and that was a mom to me her her daughter is my best friend is my sister I was in such a horrible place I could do something so horrible well I don't regret how I felt I regret how I took it out on other people wow and that's the only way I can explain it. You do things you can't, you would never do. Mm. You lose control. It's like an internal kind of monster takes over. And you, it's like you're pushed to the very back and you're watching everything go on, but you can't change on. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. That's amazing. What a, what a journey. Yeah. And you're only 26. I know, I'm very tired. You're going to have to write a book. I would see, now I have a book. Oh! But it's about all the man that scared me. <laughs> Listen, do you need someone to write an opening chapter? Because uh, I can help you out there. Oh, no. come here. We'll make a little double book. Half and no half. No problem. There isn't a book big enough. No, there's not. The book of Cal's can't handle what I have Herb to say. Lydia, you have to take responsibility <laughs> for the relationships that you inducted yourself into. Yes, therapist. Um, yeah, what a story, Jordan. Like, and like we said at the start of the interview your experiences 
have got you, led you to, you know... To open doors for me and it's given me opportunities exactly. to be able to use that story to help other people. And exactly. I couldn't be any more thankful for the position I'm actually is in. That, is that... Um, does that help you in your grief? Oh my God. Can I honestly say this show has mm. boiled so many things to the top that I maybe ran away from and I've had yeah. to face. And... I think I've got as much from the show as I think anyone else will watching it. And it's something I'm eternally grateful for. I'm thankful from the bottom of my heart that I got mm. to be part of something so beautiful because it helped me more than I don't, than I think anyone will know. Because I feel like the warm me that I thought I would never get back to, the young me. Yeah. I'm eternally grateful. Oh, that's so nice. And if anyone is this and that has to watch it, make sure you watch it. It's on the RT player and it's on RT as well. If you have every a TV. Wednesday at 10 p.m. If you're, if you're paying your TV license, it's on every oh, Wednesday. I also have to say Hillary.ie ran lit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I didn't know whether we could mention it or oh, not. I, oh, oh, I got in trouble for doing an interview and I mentioned my old salon and she was like, oh, yeah, what about us? I was like, oh, shit. So now I have to say Hillary.ie, Hillary.ie, Hillary.ie. Well, Jordan works in Hillary uh, in Ranla and when he came in, I was like, I always see at the door and this is funny how like the world the universe brings if you ever together. need a blow dry come into me yes I will Not absolutely I'm the best I, I listen unless I you want trust. this straight then I'm going to convince you to go curly no I go curly oh, yeah yeah. yeah I do whatever I walk when I'm on on the bleeding telly I walk into the hair and makeup room. they don't even look at me they just go right and they just do whatever they want I don't care. I lasted in hairdressing <laughs> eight years not knowing how to do a straight blow dry. I convinced everyone to get a soft wave. No way. Every well, single I person. love a soft wave. Oh, I, I love, love soft, soft wave too. It's all I could do. <laughs> if you want any of it pinned up, you can go to someone else. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, um, very quickly before I let you go, if you could sum up your life experience today and someone said, right, give me one line that you keep with you or that your little aha moment so far what would you say what is it I've been at the lowest darkest point in my life and I woke up the next day and got on with it yes nothing will ever get me that low again so I can handle anything that is put forward mm, to me amazing yeah that's a special that's keeps me going special sentiments I just hope I just I would, it's the one thing I want is people to find that strength and mm. just to understand if you feel like you've been at your lowest point if you got up the next day, you've bet that point, you can be anything yeah. that comes towards you now. 100%. And if you can't, I'll come beat the head off anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a lovely, perfect caption to uh, uh, finish our interview on. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you And so also, I, they might have missed it in the middle, but uh, you Hillary were... Dottie, you Hillary Dottie. <laughs> You made your TV debut on First Dates, I did. which we discussed, which was like <laughs> amazing. Damn. So we're hoping that they have a reunion tour and that... It's going to be like the Sugar Babes. We're all going to come back in about 12 <laughs> years and just want to get back on there. So, yeah. So should I go on it? I, do you if know they what? ask me again, should I, I do it? Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, yeah. have nothing but amazing things to say about it. And I'm, it's something like I had such, I met such lovely people. So, yeah. Right, okay. Just don't talk about Adele on the day for an hour. Is that what your guy done? I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, he lives in Canada, yeah. <laughs> it could have been worse. It could have been Michael Bolton or something. like. <laughs> it's Michael Bolton. I'm not so, I'm sorry. What? Oh, God, Is he I'm like so Michael Bolton? No. Is he Irish? No. It's like, it was a, it's was a, sh- a shit reference. Here's your favourite sugar babe, Siobhan. Siobhan. Oh, yeah, sake. yeah, yeah, Siobhan, because she looked Irish. Who's like, your favourite sugar babe? Shane doesn't know. He's going to say Cheryl Cole. <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> Who's your favourite girls allowed? Nicola. Nicola? Nicola. Oh, no. A best solo album. I think, I think Nadine. Who's your favourite Spice Girl? Let's go back to my actual genre. Who is my favourite? Spite Posh. No way. Always adored her. Yeah, I love a nice cold bitch face. It's what, what, I, what okay, I pay okay. to have. Okay. <laughs> Jerry was my, I actually, my um, end of year school thing when I was in first year, um, I got up and uh, mimed Say You'll Be There as Ginger Spice with two backing dancers in front of a thousand and students. How did that go? 
really well oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I love your confidence I would love to do that That's and I know I know there's somebody who has somebody's parent has a video of it if you do please send it to me they'll wait until I get really really famous and then it'll be sold to the bleeding news of the world or something fucking love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but listen thank you so much for coming in thank you really I'm sorry such... about being so emotional no I love it like I held myself together we held it together we did. well I didn't yeah. cry yeah I had a f- a wobble a, f- a little wobble but thank you so there. much for letting this be such an open space I felt mm. so comfortable so oh, thank you thank you means very a lot. much that means a lot for me thank, thank you. you that's friends I love my we're going to the George now to get pissed <laughs> I'm back on the gargle um, but yeah no thank you so much I really appreciate you coming in and you've such a lovely story and I can't wait to watch all the rest of the thank season thank you so much Hillary.ie Hillary.ie <laughs> Hillary.ie <laughs> anytime I loved it thank you my first podcast no way is yeah, it yeah it's my first podcast oh brilliant well you've done really well Great. I feel like I just kind of went off on tangents. No, it was brilliant. It was very, very good. Very helpful to everyone that's listening. I hope so. Um, but uh, thank you very much, Jordan Dunbar, for the first Woo-hoo. exchange. Woo. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 